Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. But I just wanted to um, carry on from Sunday what Tisa preached about waiting on God. I want to quote what she said, what she started out with. It's very powerful. She said that this season of waiting birthed the next season of waiting. Waiting is life. Life happens in the waiting. In waiting, we're beholding what truly matters. You know, I think what I love about waiting, it's a really powerful thing to take a pause It's powerful because in that moment you realize that I have a choice. Sometimes I think we can have a lot of momentum depending on what our emotion is, if it's frustration, if it's anger, or even if it's passion. You know, the good ones too. We can we just got this running momentum. And sometimes we don't, you know, we don't stop and maybe assess where how to direct this passion or this emotion. But we actually do always have the ability to have a pause. And it's in the pause that in that moment, we get to choose where we're going to direct our attention or our gaze towards. And that's really, really powerful because that's where we get to be centered up with what he's looking at, with what he's saying, what he's doing. And then we get to move in that as opposed to maybe out of passion or out of one emotion, I was running one way and then I'm like going, going. I'm like, oh, where'd he go? You know, it's like, oh, that didn't, that didn't quite roll out how I was thinking it would. That didn't quite turn out how I was thinking. And so in waiting, that's where everything gets centered. Waiting is where everything gets aligned so that when we are moving out, it is in step, it is in unison, it's in sync with him. And so waiting is so powerful because whenever you're even lined up and you're aware of what he's aware of, you just get to this point, too, where you lose track of time, you lose track of what's happening around you, and then what matters most you realize is right there in front of you. It's true. I think, you know, we're going to unpack a lot tonight, but I think that what You know, even when we hear the word promises, when we're waiting on promises to be birthed, when we're waiting on things that we know that he said, this is who I am for you, this is who I'll be to you, this is what I've promised to you, you know, we can hear that and and that there's a lot of different meanings or ways that we see that unfolding. But what I love about waiting, though, is that he is the promise. Papa himself, Jesus himself, is and always will be the promise. And so when I'm in that place of waiting to see something else even get extended or created through that, what's powerful is I'm always connected to that he is the promise. And so then weirdly, it's then like things that are happening around me become just background things. You know, they just they just become more in the background. But then what can happen is when we're trying to make how we're seeing promises roll out become the thing, we bring that to the forefront 
And then we become so fixated on that part of how we want to see it happen or see the promise fulfilled or what that's going to look like. We get so fixated on that part of it that then he unintentionally, but he then becomes the background part. Does anyone know what I'm saying, how I'm describing that? And so I can always tell when that starts to happen in my heart because things like anxiety start to come in, fear starts to come in. I start to get a little bit nervous about details of how things are going to roll out. And as soon as I become aware that, oh, I just, he slowly, slowly he became the background from what my awareness is. The moment I realize that, it's just real simple. I just go, and I say, oh, Jesus, you're my promise. Oh, Papa, you are my promise. Who you are is my promise. And so then he becomes back center stage again. And then life happens around me, and I'm way more aware of how life is happening around me because he's in that center place. And so then everything is revolving around he and I in, in our intimacy and in the cocoon of cravings. Everything's revolving around that, and everything becomes just beautiful additives of what's already happening here. And so I think that there's just a really powerful just um, message that he has for us tonight, and it's in Psalms 27. And it's so fun because Tisa actually just briefly mentioned that she had 27 cocoons listed. And I had been in Psalms 27 for almost a week. So that caught my, caught my attention. And when I went back and I was reading through it, I was like, oh, wow. All of Psalms 27 is about being in the cocoon. <laughs> this whole thing, this is a cocoon psalm. This whole thing. And so I want to read it over us and... I'm actually going to read it from my paper Bible because I discovered that it's different in, the, in my phone Bible. So how that happens, I'm sure Benton knows. But yeah, see, he's got his paper Bible back there. Yes. And I like this version better. So here we are. I love it, too, because it's entitled Fearless Faith. So I'm just going to read and pause in some spots, and we're going we're gonna to chat about this. Psalms 27, cocoon. Of course, it's David talking here. He says, The Lord is my revelation light to guide me all along the way. He is the source of my salvation to defend me every day. I fear no one. I I'll never turn back and run from you, Lord. You surround and protect me. That sounds like a cocoon. <laughs> When evil ones come to destroy me, they will be the ones who turn back. My heart will not be afraid, even if an army rises to attack. I know that you are there for me, so I will not be shaken. Here's the one thing I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. In his shelter, in the day of trouble, 
that's where you'll find me. For he hides me there in his holiness. He has smuggled me into his secret place where I'm kept safe and secure out of reach from all of my enemies. See, I remember when, I remember when just in my journey of learning about his holiness and what it meant to be in his holiness. I remember when, you know, that used to sound like a really unattainable word and it felt really far off and something that I was going to have to try to work my way towards understanding even holiness. But then once I started to realize holiness is boundaries. Holiness is, this is of me. This is Papa saying this. This is of me. This is of the enemy. This is of me. This is of the enemy. I'm holy. This is not holy. And so see, whenever he smuggles us into holiness, when he smuggles us into that cocoon, he's drawing us into all that he is and all of who he is. And so then we find ourselves just being pulled into just like what David's saying here, the sweet loveliness of his face. That holiness is surrounding me and protecting me, and it's a boundary. And it's powerful because the enemy can't touch holiness. He can't come near it. It's like this major, I see it like this big old wall, and it's got like a, the barbed wire at the top. And it's probably an electric fence too, so when he touches it, you know. <laughs> That's probably why we do that thing, you know. It's, it's electric. <laughs> <laughs> his, elect- you know, his, hol- <laughs> his holiness, it's power. Holiness is power. It's not just this nice attribute where, like I said, I used to envision like this kind of like abstract white mist holiness. It is a power. It is a force. It's a boundary. So when he says, I smuggle you, I'm enrapturing you in holiness, You can't be touched. The enemy cannot touch you. Nothing can enter into you that's not of me here. And so, man, why wouldn't we want to let that happen? It's because religion. Religion distorts it and makes it a bunch of rules when really it's just who he is. He is holy. He's power. He is beauty. He's wonder. And so religion tries to make it be about all these do's and don'ts, but really it's just coming into who he is and experiencing the power of his nature. And so in this place of being just craving him, that's what David's saying. David's saying, I'm craving the loveliness of your face, God. I'm craving, my senses are craving the power of who you are. When he said this to you, where he said that I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, what blew me away when I read this the other day that I hadn't seen before was, it says in the footnote that when David wrote this psalm, a temple had not yet been built. His temple hadn't been built yet. And it's like, right, I, yes, Because I knew he built one, I knew that he didn't have one at one point. But it just kind of hit me in a whole new way that he was crying out for a desire. He was craving a desire. And out of that craving, guess what got birthed? The temple. 
He had this ardent desire. He had this craving, this longing for his presence. And so in that waiting process, probably just being on his face in his castle, I don't know, in his palace, I don't know where he would be. Maybe he was in the field at this point, you know. He, he went through all phases of life, right? We can relate to that. But think about like where you were even five, a year ago, 10 years ago, and you had a desire. Think about that desire and think about when you are in the cocoon of his holiness, how he wants to birth that desire (laughs) out from you. When it's enraptured, when it's in this cocoon of craving, where I'm craving him, he's craving me, there is going to be something birthed from that. There is going to be this uh, birthing of something that will carry in, that will house this craving. So think about what some of your deep cravings towards God are. What are some of those deep longings? Because I want to propose that in those places where you have these deep cravings and longings, that's the invitation to be entwined with his heart in the waiting because he wants to birth something through you that will house something for others to get to experience the impact of that craving. He wouldn't just put something in us that then wouldn't have an ability to then go out and to reach others. He loves to put things within us to flow through that then can become a house for others to get to experience what it looks like to have this face-to-faceness with God. This is what it looks like to have face-to-faceness with God. This is what I was craving. Just like what Tisa was saying on Sunday, she so craved and longed for prophetic worship. She craved and longed to hear authentic worship coming from the core of, of her heart, from the core of being in a unified corporate body where hearts are connected with papas and singing from that place, not just a nice song but to actually experience his face-to-faceness because I'm letting the core of me come out to meet the core of him. And she birthed with him what we now see as one life. (laughs) It was a long time of waiting. It was a long time of waiting. But see, in that whole time, though, she would tell you that face-to-faceness made all of the process and all of the time just backstory. Because she, she was already beholding her promise in Jesus. And that's what, that's what it looks like. It looks like that I've got this craving and this longing. And I want, to, I want to let it have its full work in me. So that then when, when you want to express through me, Papa, the face-to-faceness, I'll be ready to express the face-to-faceness. And that looks so different. That looks so different for everyone because that's the beauty of it, right? Like he has many faces. (laughs) That's why all of the angels and they're singing holy, 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 holy for eternity because there's all these faces of God. And so there's all these unique face-to-face expressions that we get to birth through our intimacy with him that we will get to let others partake of and taste and experience and say, oh, I didn't even know how to put words to it, but I craved that thing my whole life too. That's the really, that, that is one of the most powerful things that even, you know, led me to this ministry and to just the wonderful leadership and people here was that 
I didn't have language for what I was craving, but I knew where I was in different places just wasn't it. And he was preparing me and, and he was, he was like ramping up the desire. I mean, it was just like, oh, everything in me just longed for his presence. I didn't have words for it. I wouldn't have been able to tell you that's what I wanted. But the moment I stepped into the housing where the face-to-faceness happened, I said, that's it. That's it. It's this face-to-faceness that I've been longing for. And see, you're going to get to give that same language as a gift to someone else. They're not going to know how to put words to it. I've been trying to practice this thing where, um, you know, we get to go into many clients' homes for our job. I work for Teresa and Pam's construction company, and so we get to go into all these clients' houses and, you know, people got stuff going on. You know, they just do. They got a lot going on. And so sometimes the atmospheres can be real intense with whatever they've got going on. If it's fear, if it's stress, if they're into some weird stuff. I mean, you know, just... And so sometimes for a second, I can start to feel that become bigger in my awareness. That, oh, uh, you know, it's feeling real intense in here. Oh, man, it's feeling real stressful in here. You know, my nature by default can be like, distance, distance, get away, get away, get away. Like, just put on my happy music and stay over here and do my thing. But Papa's been saying, will you open your ears? Will you open your ears and will you hear what they're crying out for? Will you hear it through their language that you don't like? Will you hear it through something that they're doing that you don't agree with? Will you hear it through? Will you see past this exterior, this front that they've put on to keep pain out, to keep disappointment out, to keep where they got hurt out? Can you get through all of that? And can you hear what they're crying out for? Because I have opened your ears to hear. And you have language to be able to speak to how they're desiring to be face to face with me. And so I've been trying to practice that, practiced it today. Okay, let me hear, let me hear, you know? And so it was just powerful because it's like in that moment too, what happens is where I was once feeling under, got right back on top as that I'm the spiritual authority here. And it's because, because I'm in the face-to-faceness. So I can see, I can release. I know that I'm here to bring the face-to-faceness of God in this house. And so I'm not under. I've come here to release an atmosphere of holiness, of power, of that there is a tangibility in who God is, and it's me. (laughs) It's me. (laughs) Sometimes we think it's going to look like a lightning bolt or something, or we think it's going to be like, I don't know. Our imaginations are wild. But then it's even more wild to be like, oh, right. I'm the one hearing your voice. It's me. I will be your face. I will bring what I've been cultivating in my cocoon of cravings with you, Papa. And I will speak and I will unlock and I will speak and give language to what you're craving too. And when I do, you will never be the same. That's what happened to me. Once someone could put language to what I was really longing and searching and looking for, I could never be the same because I saw it. I knew I was searching, you know, it's like a blind man in the dark. I knew I was fumbling around looking for something more, but I didn't know. But when I saw it, that was it. 
So we can't ever underestimate the power of what we're cultivating in our cocoons because what we're cultivating in our cocoons, just like for David, will be what's birthing and, and, and building a house, building a place where others can come and encounter you because we're the temple now. We're the temple. We're the house. And so people are going to get to come and experience him through our temple, through us. It's really, really powerful. I'm going to read that part again where he says, I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. In his shelter in the day of trouble, that's where you'll find me, for he hides me there in his holiness. He has smuggled me into his secret place where I'm kept safe and secure, out of reach from all my enemies. We'll keep going. So here's what David says now, triumphant now. I'll bring him my offerings of praise, singing and shouting with ecstatic joy. Yes, listen, and you can hear the fanfare of my shouts of praise to the Lord. God, hear my cry. Show me your grace. Show me mercy. Send the help I need. Lord, when you said to me, seek my face, my inner being responded, I'm seeking your face with all of my heart. So don't hide yourself, Lord, when I come to find you. You're the God of my salvation. How can you reject your servant in anger? You've been my only hope. So don't forsake me now when I need you. My father and mother abandoned me. I'm like an orphan. But you took me in and made me yours. Now teach me all about your ways and tell me what to do. Make it clear for me to understand. I'm going to pause there because this is also a very loaded verse in the footnotes. And there's a really fun connection that he made with me. So the footnote there where it says that my father and my mother abandoned me, I'm like an orphan, but you took me in and made me yours. That footnote down there says that every child needs four things. Acceptance. Focused attention, guidance, and protection. All four of these emotional needs are met by God. And so I want to break those down tonight. And I mean, we've been talking about emotions Wednesday night. So I thought, oh, how perfect. Here's these four emotions that we have and that are valid needs that he will meet in the cocoon. So I even propose that these are more cocoons. The acceptance cocoon, focused attention cocoon, guidance cocoon, and protection cocoon. Yes. So I want to unpack each one and just read some scripture that he gave me and and share with us what he had to say about those. And, you know, again, we're talking about cravings here because that's what David said, and that's what we do as humans. We can't turn it off. We can't turn off that we crave. You know, we're way more familiar with it in the natural, but it's just as fully turned on in the spirit. It's equal. I'd say more so 
in the spirit. It's just who we are. We were made to desire and to crave him because he desires and craves us. So we crave acceptance, like it or not. <laughs> if I say that, that, I, that we crave acceptance, you don't have to raise your hand, but is there, is there any tinge of like, oh, I don't want to want acceptance? Maybe not. That's great. But I know I used to feel that. I did. Thank you. I did. I'm not crazy. Yeah, because it was like there was this thing of like, mm, I want to be powerful and confident and not need nobody to accept me for nothing. <laughs> but I can't turn that off. I'm a sanguine. <laughs> That's my number one. Come on, sanguines. It's our, it's our number one. Accept it. Accept that we need acceptance. <laughs> it's from him. It's a gift. That is a gift. That's your secret weapon. If you've been trying to avoid and not want that, that's actually because that's your secret sauce. When I know fully I'm accepted by him, I'm fearless. This psalm is called Fearless Faith. And David was tapping into, I need acceptance. I need protection. I need guidance. Some other one. Focused attention. Wow, you guys are in focused attention. Come on now. Yeah. So that is the power source because when we know we're accepted, when we know we're so loved, we can just live and abandoned. You know what I mean? You can tell when there's a little something there in your willingness to follow in obedience or to take a risk. This is just a little nugget. You can tell if there's a little something attached to it if you're afraid of, what will they think? Well, what if they misunderstand me? Oh, what if, what if? It's probably because you're attaching some element of, would I be rejected? But when I'm fully secure, when I know how he feels and how he thinks about me, I will take any risk. I will try anything, say anything, because... It, I'm not tying my value or acceptance to that thing, to that person, to that activity. It's rooted in him first. And so then I can be risky. I can risk the biscuit because I know where my acceptance comes from. So here's a scripture. Romans 8, 14 through 17. It says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you like a cocoon into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned as he rises up within us. Our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. So that's just one amazing truth nugget. Here's another one. Galatians 4, 3 through 6. So it is within us. When we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free 
those held hostage to the law so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as his children. And so that we would know that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, my true father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has. For we are heirs because of what God has done. Before we knew God as our father, we were unwitting servants to the powers. Sorry, let me back up. Before we knew God as our father, we were unwitting servants to the powers that be. Oh, I think there's a word missing there. We are servants, parts that be, which are nothing compared to God. But now that we truly know him and are intimately known by him, why would we for a moment consider turning back to those weak and feeble principles of religion? As though, I like this part when I heard it, when I read it, I heard it like someone was saying it's spicy, like as though we were still subject to them. You know what I'm saying? Like when we know we are fully accepted by him, we know we are subjected to nothing outside of him. So like I was saying, back to the example at clients' houses, when I'm aware of this power of acceptance as his daughter that I'm within, I'm not subject under the spirit of intimidation. I'm not subject under um, their fears. I'm not subject under all those things because I know that I'm his, and I know that, in fact, I'm actually here to bring peace to all those things that you got going. They are now subject to us. Those lesser powers are now subject to him. He is the power. Holiness just stepped on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I wrote this down that... When we are accepted by Papa, we walk powerfully in self-acceptance, and this is big. This is the reservoir in which we have love and grace to give to others out of. I mean, that's huge. Self-acceptance is, is um, I mean, I'm seeing it like a garden, right? So like when I'm cultivating love, when I'm cultivating my identity in him as his daughter, as his son, I'm bearing this fruit, and so I have all this patience for myself because I like me, because I love me, because I see how he sees me. I have grace for myself. I have kindness towards myself. I have a great thought life. My thought life is in alignment with his thought life. And so it's a really powerful thing once you've been kind of cultivating that for a while. You can tell when the other thoughts come in because they start to feel like an intruder. And it's like, whew, that's a good sign. That's, this is good. Because I thought that was an ally at one point, but no, you're bad. Get out of here. Get out of here. You know? And so that's an awesome thing because then we'll know that voice for others. If I can't hear it for me, I'm not going to be able to knock it out of you. If I can't get it for me, I can't get it for me. If there's no patience for myself, if I don't have patience for me, then by nature, when someone else doesn't have patience for them, yep. That's right. We're just scumbags. Yep. You know? Yep, that's right. We're just, we stink today. You know? But if I have it for me, I can catch it for my friend. I can demonstrate. You know, that was one of the other things I was thinking about. 
you know, I was just, I think about Jesus a lot and I like her a lot. And she just has this really powerful modeling that whenever I was thinking about, well, what attracted me and drew me to this face-to-faceness with God and through, through the leadership here and the people here, it was like, wow, people like themselves here. That was so foreign to me because it was way more common out in the world. It was way more common even in other churches where it's like, I just, you know, I'm uncomfortable with me. Like, that's the weirdest thing ever. When you think about it, like you are with you all the time. You know, I can't get away from me. So it's like I told Moo the other day we were cleaning some buckets out at work. And, you know, when the Holy Spirit just drops those things. And he was like, well, you should enjoy yourself the most because you're around yourself the most. It's like, well, yeah, I should, I should enjoy this. Let's, let's kick up our feet. You know, let's have a good time in here. Let's, let's have great thought life. Let's have good thought life. Let's have good thoughts. Let's, let's agree. Let's see ourselves the way Papa does, because in that full acceptance, I'm going to be able to pinpoint and target real sharp and real quick where the enemy's lying to someone else. And so our vision's real blurry if we make room for an allowance to not have self-love. If we agree with and say, yeah, I'll keep that stinking thinking, you know, some things I can say, yeah, no, I'm good here, but I'll go ahead and still, all of it's got to go if it's not him. That's the only way that then we can become, you know, like a compass, like a true north for other people to follow. And that's what I'm saying. Like when I saw leaders who liked themselves, loved themselves, I was like, I can follow that. I can follow that because they're in unity with God. I mean, let's, let's first things first. Like it starts here in my own heart. When I'm in unity with him over me, that will make a clear, easy path that others can follow behind because I don't have these stumbling blocks of distorted lies, of distortions. And so I could easily see on the leadership here where someone was like, yes, they are in unity and they're in alignment with how God sees them. And they, they made it real clear. And that is the gift of what I love about this house is that that's what we're going after, that all of us would have this power of self-acceptance because we can see, we are in agreement with him for us. So we can be in agreement with him for his other kids too. So that's the craving of acceptance and it's good and it's delicious. I just, I just challenge you. I just challenge you to make yourself sit down and just let him unload on you all the things he loves. I mean, I like to let him tell me like silly things like, I like your laugh. Yeah, it gets it. I like how you doodle on random things. I mean, just all this. I mean, just the, just on the great, if he can just look at all the great things to the small things. I mean, all of it matters to him because he's just so relational, you know, like he's personable. And so when you can pull him personally into um, that fun connection, I mean, it truly is like friendship is coming to life. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to just kind of this weird religious thing. Anyway, we know. We know the story here. I'm on now. <laughs> It's ah, good. All right, let's move on to what we crave in focused attention and guidance. 
I wrote this for it. In waiting with God for promises to be birthed, we have to be focused. We have to have his focused attention. We are parented by his promises. I'm going to pause there for a minute. He told me this phrase a while back, and it's something that I've been revisiting from time to time. But after this word that Tisa gave on Sunday, it made more sense to me. I'm going to read it again. In waiting with God for promises to be birthed, we have his focused attention. We are parented by his promises. And I'll unpack that here in a minute. <clears throat> so what happens is he gives us a promise and says, you can't do this. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> not on your own. <laughs> you can't do this, not on your own. <laughs> But I, your father, will parent you and nurture you into the birthing of this promise. I will design the pathway and everything on it to shape you and form you into the promise. By grace, my promises will be accomplished. You will have my focused attention as I walk with you and father you into the promise. So again, we're talking about the things we crave. We crave acceptance. We crave his focused attention and guidance. We do. We crave a father and a mother. We crave someone being right there to say, oh, this is what you do here. This is what you do here. You know, that's why WebMD and YouTube is so huge. People are looking for tutorials. People are looking, tell me how to do it. I want to do it. You know, you don't see kids, you know, they don't have an issue with, oh, I want to try something. Show me how to do it. How do I do it? You know, we have, we'll have that all of our days. It's in us. We crave it. We crave to say, well, how do I do that? I want to do that. So here we go. I'm going to tell us how we do it. In Galatians, <laughs> Galatians 4.26. Stick with me here because it's kind of this, I got to lay the foundation for it. But it says, this is, of course, Paul talking and so he's using the example of um, Abraham when he had Isaac and Ishmael. So he says, tell me, do you want to go back to living strictly by the law? Haven't you ever listened to what the law really says? Have you forgotten that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave girl and the other by the free woman? Ishmael, the son of the slave girl, was born of the natural realm. But Isaac, the son of the free woman, was born supernaturally by the Spirit, a child of the promise of God. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read that again. But Isaac, the son of the free woman, was born supernaturally by the Spirit, a child of the promise of God. These two women and their sons express an allegory and become symbols of two covenants. The first covenant was born on Mount Sinai birthing children into slavery, children born to Hagar. For Hagar represents the law at Mount Sinai in Arabia. The Hagar metaphor corresponds to the earthly Jerusalem of today who are currently in bondage. So here's a really powerful footnote that I'm going to try to show us here. It says that in the footnote, it says that Paul is showing that the law is a system of works that brings bondage and that the promise is a system of grace that brings true freedom. So see, when he says you're parented by promises, here's what happens. So he presents us with the promise. And so, like I said, it's in our nature. We crave to say, how do I do that? I want to do that. 
I just, I just saw this powerful vision. I saw I just got awakened to what my craving is. But how do I do that? And so the beauty is, like I said, we can't on our own. But the promise and the intention of a promise is to actually be the parent is supposed to what guides and shapes us into the development of that promise. Only he can work out those details. Only he can. Only he can develop us into his, his you know, fully developed son or daughter that can carry the weight of it, that can, that can withhold and be able to birth all the way through what the desire is so that we can draw others to come face to face. So whenever it says that the promise is a grace system, it's a system of grace and it's true freedom. God's focused attention on us sets us free from the weight of self-management and being the heavy to make sure the promises are birthed. We're free from all the details, the planning and the coordinating. How could we? (laughs) Because the promise invites us always into what we can't do on our own. God's promises will father us by his focused attention. Yes. So that's, that is, that's good news. You know, we cannot, like, I could never have orchestrated the things that he's brought into my life ever. I mean, how could I? You know, I was born in Nebraska. All my people here have been born all over places in the world. We was born in Germany. How could I have worked out the details to make sure the girl that I was going to do worship with and play drums with would get here? I could not have done that. I could not have done that. He knows. He's getting all the details. He works that out. So that is just liberating, you know, because that is what gets us bogged down as we start to try to figure it out. Okay, if I get all my ducks in a row here. No, it's, it's more about, okay, Papa, you gave me this promise. Now, like I said, it's that you are my promise. So back to what I was saying at the start, it's, it's this awareness that I'm aware that, Jesus, you're my promise. Papa, who you are as my father is my promise. Yes, you told me this really awesome um, part of my destiny. You, you showed me this amazing thing about who I am and what I'm going to do and what my purpose is in the earth and what all is going to be around that and about that. It's going to be great. But I can't work out all those details. So I'll take a step back. I'll let you do your father thing. I'll let you work out the big picture and get all of that stuff in a row. And meanwhile, I'm just going to be face to face. And when you say, hey, today we're going to go here, I'll go there. When you say, hey, today here, I need you to go ahead and do this to get ready. Yep, got it. I'll do that. It's just that he leads us breadcrumb by breadcrumb in the process to develop us, to get us ready, you know, Back to, you know, David, who we're talking about Psalms 27, like talk about someone that went through a process who was fathered by a promise, but in a really weird way when you think about it. (laughs) Like, wow, the guy went through some stuff. But we cannot doubt or deny he was being fathered by the promise the whole time. It's all about perspective, you know. He had to, God knew what his character needed. God knew what his personality needed. God knew what his call needed. He knew how to shape and how to develop. And he's such a great designer and he's so in the details that he tailor makes every destiny and he tailor makes every process in the journey to ensure that we will be fully developed. 
Just like what Tisa was saying on Sunday about the one-winged butterfly, you know? That was such a great imagery because it's like, wow, we can't formulate all those details to get our wings. He does. So we just stay in this place of the cocoon and we and we cultivate the intimacy. We cultivate this love affair. We cultivate this intimacy with him. And then, like I said, over time, you you just you aren't even aware anymore of time. Like I blinked and it's been like 10 years since I started this journey where I just like completely gave my whole heart to Jesus and said, I want you. I saw your face now. I, there's no going back for me. Like time just goes so quickly when you have him just before you, when you're just beholding him. It's like everything else around you just becomes, um, just plays into just where your heart is really and where your affections are, if I could say it like that. When your affections are really centered with him and on him, then everything else around you just gets filtered through that. And you're not so worried anymore about the details. You're not so worried about the calendar. You're not so worried about if I'm going to have the finances for this, if I'm going to have that relationship over here. You're just not worried about that anymore. And it's not that we like have to weirdly like deny ourselves and say, no, 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 don't want these things. It's not that. I think it's more that just like what we were praying earlier, I've just become awakened to that, Jesus, you were the thing. You were the thing the whole time. And then how wild is that? Like, you were the thing the whole time, but then there's more. But you're still the thing the whole time. But then there's more. Who but God can do that? How can I be in this ecstasy and euphoria of waiting and getting my life wrecked in the best of way and being overwhelmed by his love and his goodness and to call this waiting? But then there's more. Only he can do that. Only he can do that. So I think that sometimes, here's a good check for us. If in the waiting we do start to get frustrated, which, man, we've all been there. I've been there. I have. I'm not going to act like the whole time it's been like rainbows and butterflies. Like there's been intense moments of like, oh, this pressure, this tension. I was like, I can't bear it anymore. i got to die. i got to die in this cocoon. <laughs> right? I've had those. I have. But in those moments, that's where you discover, oh, I just had fear. just afraid. He just showed me what I was afraid of. So here, that's, that's just the indicator. That's the indicator like, oh, if, I'm, if in this cocoon I start to get nervous, I'm starting to whatever the maybe negative emotion is, just stop and assess that. Well, what's the, what's the source of that? Because he's just revealing where there's a fear. And then you're like, oh, right, yes, I love this cocoon. Yeah, it feels good in here. It's amazing in here. Yeah. It happens just like that. I mean, it's real quick. It's just, yeah. He's like, oh, yep. We just had to strip that fear out. Like I said, there's only room enough for here for just you and I. We can't have anyone else. No enemy, nothing. It's just you and I. And so it's just, oh, an intruder came. Kick him out. Here's the rest of that verse from, from Galatians 6.26. Oh, I love this next part. Let me just back up and read this last part real quick so we can have a flow. Um, for Hagar represents the law given at Mount Sinai in Arabia. The Hagar metaphor corresponds to the earthly Jerusalem of today who are currently in bondage, which again, just 
you're trying to do it on your own. That's bondage. I'm just trying to do it on my own. You know, I'm just I'm just in bondage to um, self sufficiency, and that gets real hard and tiring. Yeah, it gets tiring. <laughs> so, in contrast, there is a heavenly Jerusalem above us, which is our true mother. She is the free woman birthing children into freedom. For it is written, burst forth with gladness, rejoice, O barren woman with no children. Break through with the shouts of joy and jubilee, for you are about to give birth. Remember what Tisa said Sunday. She prophetically said this is a season where waiting is going to birth the next season of waiting. And waiting isn't inactivity. It's that he's he's elevating us, he's expanding us into the more, into the more of our intimacy with him. He's upgrading us in our connection with him. That's what the waiting is. Yes. I mean, I just feel like I just loved what you prayed tonight, Mom. It was just so fire. And that was him. It's like he's upgrading us into this love with him that is, that he is just so after us. And I'm so after him. And it's just like, whew, that fire just gets, you know, fanned again. And that's what, you know, when we get birth into the next season, it's that we're birthing this love. We're birthing out this, this passion, you know, of our love for him. <sighs> for you are about to give birth. The one who was once considered desolate and barren now has more children than the one who has a husband. Dear friends, just like Isaac we are now the true children who inherit the kingdom promises. Yeah. Yeah, that's us. So we are, we're getting to birth right now, right here in this season even. We are birthing out new expressions and new passions of our love with Jesus. And it's happening in all these different ways. It's happening in all different forms. And so even if it's not something that you would consider as public, it's just as impactful, if not more, when it's in that place with you and he. Because when you are in that love experience with him and that is all you're seeing and knowing, that's everything. That is everything. You are so fulfilled. We're so fulfilled there. And so then everything we do out of there is a joy. Everything we do out of that relationship is just fun. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So we were, I'll wrap up that portion. It was, um, again, that we're craving acceptance, we're craving focused attention and guidance, you know, because his promises are what are guiding us into our development, into our destinies. And so the last one of what we crave is protection. And this is a real big one, you know, I understand. This is, this is a really, really big one for us because, you know, it, to feel safe is, you know, to have a really great life. <laughs> you know, I think that's why people's personalities get so distorted um, is, you know, it's just an indicator that they're not, there was harm. You know, so like I said, when we all get, we all know and get to interact and experience people everywhere all day, every day. And, you know, when you can see or experience the atmosphere of someone that like, Ooh, you know, they're in some pain, you know, that's not their true self because they didn't, they don't have the safety factor. You know, they, they just haven't had that deep healing of that God is your safety factor. He's your protection. 
And so it's a really big deal to have that covering and protection and to feel that because that's how we're going to, um, you know, that's the atmosphere that we're cultivating around us. So then other people get to come and step into our atmosphere and experience something different. It's because we're under the covering, you know. People love having like our company in their homes and say, man, you guys are just so quiet and we're doing construction, you know? And I was like, that's a weird thought, but it's like, I know that they're experiencing peace. They're experiencing a covering that's different, you know? So, okay, so I wrote this and I want to read. Um, the counterfeit for Papa's protection is self-protection and self-preservation. And I want to propose that it's our definition of protection that needs redefining. Stick with me here. <laughs> when we're in a situation where we feel endangered or threatened, we will immediately come up with what our personal protection should look like that has only us in mind. It's just in our nature, right? Like we're wired to want to live. We're wired to want to to thrive. So it, it is a part of our humanity. But what happens is our imagination, we start to insulate when something comes and we feel like, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's a harm. That's, you know, that's not for me. That's of the enemy. I need protection. Our imagination immediately goes to, well, what does that protection need to look like? So yes, we were wired to want to live and thrive, but there's a deep place of trust that he invites us into that goes deeper than our physical and emotional pain. There's a spiritual encounter of his true protection awaiting every situation we or even a loved one faces. It takes surrendering and entrusting ourselves into his hands that hold our whole world. He has a much bigger picture always at play. Papa has a backstory to every way he will bring his protection. He does. We crave his protection. But I also want to propose that we're craving his presence first. Once we're aware of his presence, however the protection comes or looks, satisfies this need. Yeah. So I think that that's a really big deal is to make that exchange. You know, if your mind instantly wants to go to, well, my protection needs to look like this. For either my relationships, my protection needs to look like this for health, my protection needs to look like this for, you know, there's just this process that he draws us into in those places where we know that he is good all the time and we know that he is for us and we know that he has protection and safety always. And so then our part is to be open in our hearts to say, Papa, how are you bringing that? How are you bringing that? How, how can I partner with how you're bringing that in my life right now? How can I partner with that? I'm not going to put maybe what my, um, I'm not going to put my imagination on it because in that place, our imagination is just kind of like generating from fear anyway. And so it gets really hard to see when it's generated out of fear. But when, like I said, when I'm aware of presence first, when I say your presence is here, I'm aware right now that your presence is a cocoon that I'm wrapped in right now. Your presence is here, so how is your protection here? How is your protection covering? How is your protection restoring? How is your protection fill in the blank? Does that make sense? Here's, I want to read Psalms 91. It says that, Because you loved me and delighted in me and have been loyal to my name, this is Papa saying this to us, 
I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and all that I do for you, for I will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. So it's really all about his presence, you know. It's in that place of presence that we become aware of his heart and protection, that he's there. I remember, um, it's a small story, but it was still a victory story for me because, I mean, we all get it. Like whenever we have different levels of pain, that's what we become really, really aware of. So I remember one morning I woke up and it just felt so random. I'd never had anything like it before or since. Or I woke up one morning and I had this really big, like swollen gum around one of my back teeth. And I mean, it was massive and it was so painful that immediately my mind went to abscess tooth. There's something going on in there. It's going to have to get yanked out. It's going to be thousands of dollars. You know, just like all of that, like, oh no, oh no. And so, you know, so for me it was finances, like, mm, you know, that's going to, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to deal with that? And it hurt. It hurt so bad. And so I think it was like barely seven in the morning. And so I said, Tisa, I said, I got this really bad toothache and my gum is so swollen. And I even got to show her and she was like, go back to bed. And I was like, she was like, pray over it, go back to bed. And I was like, what? Like, do you know the magnitude of what I'm like, woman, like, I think I need to call the like, is there a dentist ER? Like, because that's where I was. I was looking up on my phone, like who would take me in right now? Because we need to, something is really big and bad. And she's like, no, she's like, just pray about it and just go rest, go lay down. I was like, oh. you know, I was offended. I was, I was like, she is not meeting this at the level. <laughs> this is bad. And so I felt like she doesn't care. Like she doesn't get it. But I did, and I was like, okay, you know, I got mommed in a good way. And so I was like, all right, you know, I will trust. I will trust right now that a form of what protection looks like, which makes no sense to me, is to just go lay back down and to pray over it. So I did. I laid back down. And it was just, you know, like whenever you have really intense pain, you feel like you can feel like the pulse of it. And, you know, it's like it was, it sounds dramatic, but it was. It was like I could feel, I was like, oh, this aches, this hurts, this hurts. So finally, though, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and worship. I am. I'm going to go ahead and worship and make him bigger than this thing right now because I could tell it was starting to get real big. And then, of course, I felt disappointed that someone wasn't agreeing with how big it was to me. And so I was like, we just got to worship, baby. We just got to worship. And so I did. I turned on worship music. I laid in my bed. And I did. I just I raised my hands. And I'm not going to say that the pain didn't go away because it didn't. But what the really wild experience was, was that at the same time, though, I became so aware of his presence that this really cool eclipsing thing happened where the physical aspect of the pain was there. But I became so more aware of who I was encountering and what was happening that that became at the forefront. So then the physical became at the back. And so I did. I just kept worshiping. And I kept, and it still hurt, but I kept worshiping. And all of a sudden, now I'm delighting. It still hurt, but I'm like, oh, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're amazing. Oh, wow. Like, look at what you're doing. Look at, and you know, we just went on this really fun journey. It still hurt, but just wow. I was so way more captivated with him. So I actually fell back asleep 
Woke up sometime later, I don't know how much time had passed. It was gone. The swelling had completely disappeared. Completely disappeared. I mean completely. It was like, it was, if I could, it was so thick back there the swelling was, because it was all up in the mirror. I mean, it was gone. Pain, gone. And it's never come back since, you know? And so it's just like, okay, yes, right. It's in this place of presence that I know that your heart is so for me and you are good. And I'm going to train my soul to be more aware of who you are, that as my protection, that you have all these ways that you will bring it and that you will provide for me and that you will bring covering and you will bring safety always to me, loved ones, all of it. And so it's in this face-to-faceness, it's in that intimacy cocoon where we get to have these experiences that do supersede the natural, that do supersede, and then we get to watch him move. We get to watch him destroy the works of the enemy. We get to watch him tear down and break down all those things. It's really, really powerful. (sighs) So I'm going to wrap us back up with Psalms 27. Now teach me about all your ways and tell me what to do. Make it clear for me to understand, for I am surrounded by waiting enemies. Don't let them defeat me, Lord. You can't let me fall into their clutches. They keep accusing me of things I've never done while they plot evil against me. Yet I totally trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see once again how good you are while I'm still alive. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. He'll never, never, never disappoint us in the waiting. We can't ever be disappointed because that's where we keep upgrading. We keep upgrading and hearing his voice. We keep upgrading in our encounters. We keep upgrading. It's beautiful. It's, that is the most brilliant plan ever, ever, is that I'm going to put you in this cocoon spiritually you know, in your mind, in your heart, so that you will be covered at all times with my presence. You at all times be in this perfect environment in my heart and in my voice and in my love, and you will be able to thrive in all things everywhere. And all the while, I will keep adding and I will keep bringing the more to you. It's crazy. It's so good. It's so good. All that happens and just the delighting and even just back to the dream, just that, wow, like, so we crave him. But then when we run and we encounter him face to face in this cocoon of waiting, we get to discover, Papa, what are you craving? Because he's craving us. He's craving those things, too. And so it's, it's in that, like I said, that realization of, oh, wow, I have this ability to move his heart. I have this ability to woo him. Wow, who am I that I can make him weak at the knees? That he would be so moved by me. It's in that place of realizing, oh, wow, I'm just in love. I'm just, I'm in love. And he is in love. We are in love. And so then, wow, just everything, all of life is just shaped there. It's all beautiful. It's beautiful.
So I'm going to pray over us and invite Mama Lynn to come on up and do offering. So Papa, I just thank you so much for revealing tonight these cravings of ours that are for you, that have always been for you, that there's nothing wrong with them, damaged in them or broken about them, but that they were always these perfect desires that are for you. And so I just say tonight that there is just this deep, deep um, connection being made in our hearts to encounter and to experience these desires for you being at the center, being what is just the life happening around us in our in our little cocoons with you in this in the different seasons of waiting that it's in those places of upgrading in our intimacy. It's in those places of upgrading into the more with you. And so I thank you tonight just for wow, just just um just the words that you're pouring out to draw us and to bring us closer as sons and daughters tonight to be fathered by you, to be fathered by your promises, that they are all yes and amen by you, that you are our promise, Papa. You are our promise. So I bless the cocoons. I bless the waiting cocoons in this room. I thank you, Papa, for all the beauty that's taking shape and forming in every heart. I bless it. I bless them. Thank you, Papa. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay